there was a woman that reached out to me about how to grieve the loss of an affair after her affair partner dies. And I finally got around to reading her story about a month after she had sent it. And of course, I was immediately drawn to whoever had wrote this story. So I had wrote to her and we'll, we'll call her Roxy for the sake of this episode. And Roxy, but Roxy is had written in telling how how old do you know that? Because a fair partner she was 75 dying. He was 75. He was 75. I don't know how old she was or is. She did tell me that she's not young, even though. Her activities make me feel like she is actually a young soul, you know? What kind of activities? You want to know? I don't know. Tell me the story. Like, don't, don't, don't start with the juice. Don't start with the juice because otherwise right. people are just like, oh, yeah, I, I heard all that I needed to hear. Just start from, from the beginning. Let's... So for the sake of this story, the other woman's name is Roxy and her paramour, his name is Ten. Okay. Do you know what paramour means? So let me check it out. Through love. It implies a relationship based solely on love, often physical love, rather than on a social custom or ceremony. Okay. Perfect. Yes. Okay. So we'll call him Tim. Her paramour is Tim. And after Roxy, Roxy is a widow. Her husband had left her 15 years ago, left this earth, not her, you know, left this earth. Okay. He died. It's probably a more direct way of putting that. And Roxy's co-worker, Tim, came over to help her sort through some of, like, the administrative tasks that she had, like, going through bills, setting up payment stuff for her utilities and whatnot. And she had had sex with him that night, you know, which was fucking awesome for her because it turned into what? So... You, Sex for you... her isn't awesome? No, no. Do, do you, like... What? No. <laughs> when did that happen? Was that, that was not a, the day of the funeral or something, right? That's, like, my first no, thought. is like, I'm sure oh, or... I'm sure that, like... Oh, yeah, helping them out I'm after... I'm sure that she probably... Oh, 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 she was 68 and he was 75. That's how old she was. Roxy, 68. By the way. Tim. Yes. Tim was 75 at the time okay. of their affair beginning. And let me see. She told me, I actually love her energy. Okay. So yeah, he came over to help her figure out the bills and whatnot and organize all of it. And uh, that night, and she actually educated me on something. Do you know what widow's fire is? No. Widow's fire is the burning desire. Yeah. She told me everything. I love that. She Natural phenomenon that she phenomenon defied a strong desire for sex following bereavement and is often considered as a natural part of the grieving process. What is mm-hmm. bereavement? It's like when somebody dies, but you should look up the definition because I am not the end all be all to the English language. Loss, deprivation, grief, sorrow, sadness. That's what I get. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's funny because bereavement in the U.S. is used in order to get leave. Like, this is how I know what bereavement means. Anytime somebody dies, you can ask your employer if you have any bereavement leave so it doesn't tap into your PTO, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So she had said that, like, widow's fire is definitely a real thing, and it's this burning desire to feel connected to somebody in the throes, or actually, I would say, like, in the wake of your grief, 
like, what the fuck do you do after your husband dies? You know, like, I don't think that that's something that you can plot and plan for. It's like you're in it and then what? So Tim comes over to do a little bit more than help Roxy with the bills, if you know what I mean. Well, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Well, desire for sex following bereavement. So I guess uh, the widow's fire was, how do you say it? Burning. Yes, a definite, definitely a burning desire. So I would like to share one little tidbit of her story with you that I found really, really interesting. I'm actually going to read you the email that she wrote. She said, thank you for recognizing this. It's a problem nobody likes to talk about. And if they do, they want to bash the other woman. Boys will be boys, you know. It's up to women to keep them in line. So true. It's been a journey. I was involved with Tim for 15 years. I invited him over after my husband died in 2007. I was sorting through the bills, taxes, and credit card payments. I didn't understand any of it. He came to my house and set up a payment plan through the internet. He set up a payment plan through the internet. She's so cute. (laughs) He figured out my taxes. We had sex that night. Have you ever heard of Widow Spire? It's real. After a while, I decided I rather liked having a dark secret. We met at hotels, my house, and at work. We took trips together. We had lots and lots and lots of fun. At work, we broke the table in the conference room in January. The leg fell off and the table went crashing to the floor while we were having sex on it. (laughs) I am 68 and he was 75. The building manager who was in charge of furnishings and equipment kept asking us, how did this happen? Then he suddenly died. I knew he was undergoing chemo treatments, but he was such a strong, healthy man. I thought for sure he would have beat the cancer that was growing inside his liver. I got a text from his daughter on April 28th. I just wanted you to know that my dad died this morning. He thought a lot of you. I was horrified. I sent a dozen red roses to his visitation. I sent a check for $100 to his widow and I stayed away from his funeral and visitation. I visited his grave and placed flowers. His wife sent me a kind note. I feel like I have been widowed twice, but the second time, all the people around me don't understand how grief-stricken I am. He was just a coworker after all. God, I love that. Why should I be so traumatized over his death? He was 75 years old, for God's sake. I never want his wife to know what all was going on behind her back. It would hurt her feelings even now that he is dead. Wow. Which part? I mean, all of it, but not, I mean, it's not really that surprising to me that a woman who is in the throes of grief is, you know, susceptible to falling in love or, or, and she's, she's quick to say, that it was all just born out of lust, which I actually really appreciate about what she wrote to me about. It's almost like she knew she was like, look, this wasn't a I'm trying to poach your husband or anything. This was a we thirsted for this physical exertion, I think. I think she just thirsted for human touch, which doesn't seem that strange to me. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, you know, I feel like what happens at funerals sometimes is a one-night stand. All of a sudden, you lost somebody that was close to you, and all you want to do is feel like you can be close to somebody else. And what quicker way of feeling close to somebody else than having sex? I think it's this rush. Like I think it is a rush that you just want to feel anything other than what you're feeling in that moment. And so you just hop on over. 
Let's let's mm-hmm. go feel something else. You know, it's it's a coping coping method. Did she ask you any questions, or was it just like, okay, I'm going to share your story? She because seventy five. I think everyone who's listening to this, they're like, I want to be that person. Yeah. What having sex on a conference room table at that age? I cannot just even having imagine having age. doing that, or even just right now. I couldn't imagine going into my workplace and hopping onto the conference table and being like, here we go, Stan. It really has to be in the moment, you know? I, th- I think there must be something with acquired confidence as you grow older and not giving a fuck about anything. Oh, I can't wait to get there. <laughs> I think I would do I a lot more. I think I would do a lot more like disruptive shit if I gave less fucks. Do you want to share some, some insights on what disruptive shit you would do? On destructive shit, I would do no, okay, no, because it that would be premeditated. Can't have anything documented like that. Okay, but I do want to talk more about Roxy. I had asked her some stories that I would like to like think about out loud with you, and some of like the first things that popped into my mind was I was wondering if Tim's daughter had actually reached out to her with any questions because she was kind of anticipating that, which. I'm sure Roxy really wants that. I'll bet that she really wants to feel like that Tim felt like their relationship was so important that he shared a bit with his daughter because his daughter was with her, with him when he died. So I think that that has value in it to Roxy. But I don't know that, you know, when you're at the end of your life, if you're like on your deathbed, Is that really the stuff that you're going to share with your child? Like, are you going to tell them about the affair that you've been in for the last 15 years? Probably not. And so like Roxy coming to terms with the fact that like this relationship is only going to exist in the past and only exists from the point of her memories, because now there's nobody else on the planet who she can share in those memories with. And I think that that's a really like isolating and lonely place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be beneficial to the children knowing that. Mm-mm. I have actually never told you about this, but uh, I know someone who died and like an older person and later their kid, their son found out that he was cheating on his mother and it just... Uh-huh increased the amount of grief and exposure to how to deal with that during the grieving process. Does it increase the amount of grief or does it just add a layer to it? I think that it's like you want to grieve loss, but then at the same time, you are grieving a person that you didn't like. The um, It's what you Actually always say, now. right? Exactly. That, that person that you thought was your dad, well, wasn't your dad. Because, well, they were cheating on your, mm-hmm. on your mother all the time. They were your dad. You just didn't know this aspect of them. You didn't know. Yeah. They didn't share it with you. And you feel like, or at least I would feel like I was deprived of something that they were, that they actually were. So I never really knew it. Like, I think that a lot of people see infidelity as the intent to betray And I don't think it is that, like, I didn't cheat on somebody to betray them. I cheated on somebody to meet a need that wasn't being met. I I talked to my girlfriend about this 
on the reason mm-hmm. people cheat and i think that it's it's a similar it's a partially con- conclusion from your side and, and mine but it's when the desire to meet your needs is bigger than the desire to meet your standards or your beliefs and this is what i mean by that my girlfriend and i were both vegan i'm a strict vegan uh strict for my my definition whatever like whoever <laughs> wants to call me strict whatever you eat whatever you want. I don't fucking care. Yeah. But you're strict. I validate strict. that. But my girlfriend, when we go on holiday, sometimes what she eats in the morning is a croissant. And croissant has butter, which butter is not vegan, but she does it. And like, I don't fucking care. You do it. Like, she likes it. That's it. Because obviously we are outside Good. of home. We don't do the, we don't have our stuff, our usual stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. what I told her. Like, your desire to eat is bigger than your desire to satisfy your ethos, your yes. your beliefs, right? And that's I think it's exactly yes. the same thinking process when when it's cheating. It's like your desire to meet your your needs is bigger than your desire to meet your values or whatever you want to call that. I can I can get down with that comparison. I definitely can. And it, in the grand scheme of things, right? What does it matter whether she eats the croissant or not? No, it's not like a, a thing of, of judging. I feel like there are so many other, like your desire to eat ice cream is bigger than your desire to be fit. Your desire to, like, it's just mm-hmm. ingrained in every little thing we do in society, but we don't see it. And then cheating is just like a, yes. the perception of cheating is just so much bigger than any other action, but everyone is sinning every single day, point blank. Yes. Yes, they are. They certainly are. If you are the other woman in your relationship and you love this podcast, you would love the Other Women Community. The Other Women Community is a membership program designed to help other women just like you reclaim their relationship with themselves and heal from their affair. We provide a safe and supportive environment for you to open up and talk about your experiences. We give you the tools and resources you need to grow into an authentic, empowered individual. If you're ready to take the next step in your healing journey, head on over to theotherwomanandthewife.com backslash community to learn more about the membership and all it has to offer. All right, let's jump back into the episode. We were talking about the value add of Tim sharing the details of the affair with his, we'll assume it's an adult daughter. The man was 84, right? Yeah. 85. And but it was it was very interesting to me that Roxy had shared that with me. She was like, I expect to have some awkward questions from his daughter. And I think that it will kind of be a little bit disheartening if she doesn't get those questions that she's anticipating, because you can almost see that, like, Roxy does want to feel validated in that relationship by somebody else on this planet, right? And I think that that's a really lonely place for her to be. So I'm glad that she felt like she could share it with me at least and I could talk with her about the relationship. Because I even told her, I said, I think what I responded to her with, I was just so impressed. I was like super impressed, actually. I said, has a daughter reached out since with any questions? And how do you feel the season of grief is different than uh, your season of grief with your husband? And what role did Tim play in aiding your grief? of losing your husband. Because this is the other piece, right? The affair partner 
if there is an actual affair with like emotional connection and a relationship, right, which a relationship is just getting to know each other, spending time with each other, sharing past experiences, sharing understanding, all of that. And I think that she leaned into Tim for that support. You know, I'm sure that she was grieving the loss of her husband by sharing stories that she had of her late husband with her affair partner. And this is what I told her. I said, I absolutely love your story. It screams how very much alive your soul is, even in the midst of great loss. I told her I lost my brother when I was 22. My first marriage and affair happened quickly after. I think when women lose people who they cared for slash cared for them, they naturally lose a piece of their identity. And that's so difficult to grapple with. The death of a relationship is always a death of a version of ourselves. What your mom said about the hardest part of getting old is watching all your friends die. While I agree, I hope to have a mindset of I'm grateful to even have friends this late in life. When my brother was sick, he was so young. He was dying and all of his friends, except one, just stopped showing up. This experience highlighted to me the importance and power of just showing up. I hope you have people showing up for you in unexpected and much appreciated ways in this season of life. But like, I can only imagine what's going through her mind and her heart whenever she's sitting with the loss of somebody that she spent I mean it sounds like they worked together right so they were spending 40 hours a week together he was going through treatment and stuff she said that he was strong and healthy and all of these things she had every expectation of him conquering the cancer and then the rug gets pulled out from underneath her in a big way and it's interesting to me because I know that the world will tell her what did you expect it was just an affair or you know even if they don't know about the affair why are you so troubled about this? You know, he was just a coworker. And yeah. I think that just like simplifies and minimizes something that is so important in her life. And it's almost like I'm super grateful that this podcast exists just to validate the fact that that was a relationship that mattered. And it sounded like it mattered to two very important people on the planet. And so giving her what she needs in order to move forward and move through this, I think is pretty great. So I'm super grateful for this stupid podcast because of it. It's not stupid. This podcast is not stupid. stupid. Very smart, actually. (laughs) The sad part, though, is that it it was such a meaningful relationship, but it had to be secret. Uh, But... I don't even think that's the sad part. I think, well, if it stays a secret, it will be good that the family did not have to know about it, right? I think that what you said earlier about experiencing a significant loss and learning a new reality, it's funny. Whenever whenever I've had people die, I... I like thirsted for stories about them that I had never heard or anything like that. I don't I don't know that this is a story that most people would be mature enough to be able to take it in and be like, okay, like what's done is done. I think they would take it too personally and feel like they were cheated on. Right. And while Mm -hmm. that's true, like, fuck, I don't know. That wasn't the intent. There wasn't there wasn't a I want to hurt you. There was a I just want to do this thing with somebody else in secret. I want to escape. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, would you want to know? Like if Stan died, if Stan died and some mistress came out of the woodworks and was like, your husband slept with me. It's it's not about that. It's more about the making that relationship go public before he died. Like mm-hmm. if they spent so many years together and they were happy, and it's like break out of the marriage and break into the affair. You know, you know what I mean? 
you stopped mm-hmm. the affair and you start a relation like a, it was a relationship but a public relationship i mean some people don't care about that and like they're just happy and like that's the way it is and whatever it's just what is the cost benefit of like leaving someone and staying with your affair partner because it, it sounds like the statistics just say hey no and in this case it feels like a resounding yes you should go for it that's what i mean like what is the difference between a resounding yes and a resounding no ignorant kevin asking I don't think that you can like, I don't know. I, I, I like that their relationship existed in secret. It's weird. It's almost like I'm saying that they, I love that they had their cake and they ate it too, kind of. Mm-hmm. But I wonder what was he giving to them? What was he giving to the family that, you know, he certainly didn't want to take away from them, right? Because I think when you make the decision to leave a marriage or leave a family, actually, it's just the marriage, right? You're not having to leave your kids unless they choose that they don't like you anymore because of your personal preference and a mate. Are you, damn, marriage, honestly, marriage seems like such a fucking trap, such a fucking trap. Every time I get in a story like this, I'm like, what a bummer. What a bummer that like you couldn't go into your own house and say, hey, I really want to do this with my life. And like, I don't know, like fucking I I could not open up a marriage, but I really hope that I am in tune enough with my relationships that I'm not inside of a relationship where I feel the need to deceive other people, you know? Like, I really like being 100% honest about my current state, obviously. But, like, I feel safe enough in my relationship with Stan. Like, I'll give you an example. I really want to do shrooms. I've never done it in my life. I would love to try. But I want to make sure that I'm on the same page as Stan with this decision. I would really like to do a little trip with some psilocybin in me. And I want to do it. And Stan is aware that I have this desire to shroom it up. And Stan is very much of the opinion. He's like, dude, messing with your mind, especially like I'm like three kids postpartum, like postpartum was a hell of a mind fuck for me with the third baby. And he's just like, I just think that messing with your mind with with drugs seems really dangerous for the stage of life we're in. So I really had to understand his fear in order for me to hold the line with myself because there were definitely times where like I'd go over to a girlfriend's house and she's like want a microdose and I'm like yes let me go text my husband and Mm -hmm. so like I like call Stan and I'm like hey I'd really like to do this thing but I appreciate that about our relationship is like I can walk in with a desire and be like hey there's this thing I want to do and I know it's a desire he is against But what I tell him every time we have this conversation, every time the opportunity presents itself, I say, at some point in my life, I want to do this thing. I agree that now is not the time. I have very young children. I've just, you know, like mentally, I want to make sure that I stay fit. When he finally like revealed to me that it was less of a judgment thing, because for a while I thought he was he just wanted to judge me for wanting to do drugs. And it was more a concern out of safety. And he finally said the words. He was like, what am I supposed to do if you die? And I was like, you can't die on psilocybin, you know? But that is a a moot point. That is a moot point because he actually fears it. And that fear is very real for him that like I would die and he would be left alone with the kids. So 
taking him into consideration in that way, like I think that our relationship is very different because I feel safe to do that. So when I think of like these older people who have like built their life, right? They have their family, they have their house, they are not going anywhere. And then all of a sudden they see somebody who like lights them on fire or quenches their widow's burning desire, whatever it's called, widow's fire. Mm -hmm. I'm like, why not? Like, let them have it. <laughs> this is not a pro-cheating <laughs> podcast, just, just saying. It's not pro-cheating, but my God, like a 15-year, basically a friendship, okay? Like if we, if we label, if we get this down to like basic labels, a 15-year relationship that existed for 15 fucking years, there had to be something valuable going on there. Yeah. Not yeah. just an exchange of physical services. I agree. So like if I found out that like one of my older family members had had an affair for like so long. Yeah, I'm sure it would like distort my understanding of the past a little bit. But ultimately, I would hope that I would be at a place where I was like, you know what? Good for fucking them. That made them feel alive for like a moment in time when they felt really down and low and sad and they could be there for each other in that way. Then like, go for it. Rock on. Too bad you couldn't be authentic about it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. We appreciate your support and would love to hear your thoughts on it. If you've made it this far, you're likely someone who is invested in the journey of being the other woman. We understand that this can be a difficult and complex experience, which is why we offer guided coaching to help you heal and move forward. We encourage you to explore the links in the episode description or visit theotherwomanandthewife.com slash coaching to learn more about our exclusive coaching program and apply today. Thank you again for your support and we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.